0: All right, everyone, we're going to go ahead and get started here so that we can give you all plenty of time for Q&A at the end. So welcome, everybody. My name is Bailey Bostelman, and I am the Director of Chapter Engagement at the Foundation Fighting Blindness. So welcome to our session, Your Journey Towards Independent Mobility. This session will last approximately 70 minutes, and the last 20 minutes of the session will be reserved for questions from the audience. Please note, this session is being audio recorded. If you're using an assisted listening device, please turn to the appropriate channels. Um, And don't forget to silence your cell phones. The speakers for this session are Bill and Colleen Carty. Before beginning, we also want to encourage you to um, be social with us. So you can follow us on The Visions Conversation on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. To share your experiences using the conference hashtag #visions2022. Now I'm going to go ahead and turn the floor over to our speakers.
1: Thank. Oops, oh, there, it's close. Okay. <laughs> Th- thank, thank. you very much. Um, um, my name is Bill Carty. and um, I've been on the the board of FFB for quite a number of years now, and. I've also served on the Leader Dogs for the Blind Board, which I was there for I think about nine years. And then I was also on the National Industries for the Blind um, Board as well. Um, All the while I was doing this, I was losing my vision to um, retinitis pigmentosa. And um, I have um, continued, actually, uh, I I have learned to, to maintain my confidence, by getting some uh, orientation and mobility first, and then eventually um, getting uh, starting to use a white cane, and then ultimately uh, getting a guide dog. That was, my, that was my focus that I learned. In 1992, I came to a Visions Conference, first one that I ever came to, uh, here at, D- at Disney. And I lived at that time over on the east coast of Florida at Satellite Beach. And so when I came here, I heard a speaker that talked about guide dogs from somebody from Leader Dogs for the Blind, and um, I noticed a whole bunch of people that were getting around much easier through the crowd than I was, because I was I had my my limited vision, but I was unable to um, use those those skills because I hadn't uh, um, hadn't gotten them, and so. <coughs> excuse me, what I did was I sat down and I made a decision and I said I'm going to get orientation mobility, I'm going to get uh, white cane skills, and I'm going to get a guide dog. At that point in time I was working for Northrop- or actually for Grumman at that point in time as a dir- at a director level. So when I tried to go and get the um, orientation mobility training from one of the, the, the larger places that does that in Florida, they didn't really have anything that I could get away from work for because they wanted me to come for eight weeks. And I, I had a big enough job that I couldn't leave it for eight weeks. So so anyway, the, um, wh- what, I, what I did was I got a hold of the local county place in Brevard County, and they fixed me up with a guy that was an orientation and, and mobility um, certified trainer, and he came to my office for three lunch sessions in a row. And after that, um, I was pretty pretty good with the white cane. And I had to make the decision then to... Because I had to travel a lot. Um, a lot of what I did for a living was traveling to places where we had some major contracts with, um, with the government. You know, one form or the other. Um, and so... Um, you know, one of the things that is a fear that people have when, when they're losing their vision is if they start telling the people at work that they have limited vision that, you know, that, that they might be um, discriminated against. This was 1992, so that's when the, when the law went into effect that said you can't do that. So I was able to um, start using my white cane first, and I, you know, flew around the country places, and I was unable to, um, I had to go away for four weeks to get to Leader Dog, to get a, a guide dog, and I was, um, I had to look for an opportunity to do that, and in the meantime, Northrop Grumman, so we became a new company, and my new boss let me go for four weeks, told me to um, just go there and get the dog and come home. That dog changed my life. That actually The decision that I made when I came to Visions in 1992 changed my life for the better. It allowed me to have confidence, again, in myself to travel around. And I would travel um, so many times. The dog that I have right now is Hartley. And I don't know if you can't. You probably can't see him because he's behind the table. Uh, okay, he's poking through. Okay, so I got to tell you, I got to tell you today is his 11th birthday. So, happy birthday, Hartley. Happy birthday, Hartley. So, so, birthday to you. Birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Hartley. To you. <laughs>
2: hey Hartley he's yeah
1: he, he loves the attention and and um, and it's it's amazing what you can teach these dogs to do um, I was able to um, you know teach them to um, you know fly fly in five hours to the to the um, west coast and and then, and then, uh, you know, getting off the plane, having to sit with the dog the whole time and not not leave him <laughs> to his own devices. So, so um, that's all I had to do is say, find the restroom, and and any one of my three dogs that I've. He's my third one. My first dog was was he was the, the best. Um, matter of fact, he was so good that Northrop Grumman, when he retired, they gave him a plaque. I've never seen a dog get a plaque from a defense company before, but <laughs> it was great. And it's hanging in my, my home office at home with his picture on it. Um, and Hartley does, does really good work, too. Um, but he's getting um, up in years. At 11 years old, that's pretty old for a guide dog, and he's getting ready to retire himself. But, but my retirement plan for my guide dogs is they're going to stay with me for the rest of their life, and they will have all the medical and everything else that they need. And um, they, they can just take it easy for a couple of years, so that's kind of kind of how that, that all goes. And it's um, it 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 really did improve my confidence so much because I could I could fly to all kinds of places, and a lot of times we'd go to airports we hadn't been to before. And between me and the dog, we would figure it out. So um, so it's I, I think I think it's important for everybody to, to, that has visual impairment to realize, and we, we heard a really good speech last night about this, right? Um, and it it really coming down to using the skills that you can obtain through the things that are out there for you um, really does help you to have confidence and helps you to, to be able to go on and, and do things um, and go to higher and higher levels. So... Um, I worked with my guide dogs, and ultimately I was, um, I was promoted to vice president general manager of the Defense and Government Services Division of Northrop Grumman, And I had the opportunity to do that, um, which I wouldn't have had if I hadn't decided that I was going to get a guide dog, because the dogs really did help. And I would have to go visit generals and people like that. And when I did that, um, it always went really well, because the dog came along, and the dog, was, dogs are always on great behavior. So you know the the, um, the generals and whoever it was that I was meeting with, they were impressed with the dog and how he he um, you know how they operated, how good, how well behaved they were, and things like that. And so I mean, we were doing things like managing, maintaining all the infrastructure at Kennedy Space Center for the space shuttle. Um, that was one of the things I had to fly from from Virginia. Um, down here and and then and then go over to the Cape uh, which which is where I grew up by the way I grew up by the Cape um, and um, satellite Beach actually if you guys any of you guys are from over there and um, it, it just it, it worked out really really well and um, and, and I really appreciate it and um, I'm going to turn this over now to to my lovely wife here who actually trained my first guide dog. Um, and that was a coincidence <laughs> and and, uh, and and she really understands she keeps she keeps me straight when Hartley gets out of out of line here actually keeps me straight because I got to keep him straight good do, do you want to talk about how how the how the dogs are trained sure okay
3: yeah. okay so that's how Bill and I met I you know and what Twenty-four years ago, I trained his first dog, so he got a little more than he bargained for. <laughs> Poor guy. He was a really tough dog. He really needed some special training for a long time. <laughs> yeah, Brutus, was a, he was a really special dog to us, and I told Bill, I challenged him, I said, this dog's very attached to me, which can happen. Some dogs more than others, but this particular dog was cr- really attached, and he took the challenge on, and boy, by the next morning, they were taking the dogs out to relieve themselves, and they all stood in line at the school, and that dog ignored me, and it, I was crushed. I was like, "Oh my Brutus! He, he's already loving this guy. He did. He works really hard. Worked really hard with him. And he was a pound dog, and they don't do that anymore, right? Nowadays, they breed all the dogs are you know all bred, born and bred there for the program and raised by people for the schools. And but this dog, he was probably one of the last pound dogs, and boy, he was special. But um, so my first conference was about I don't know twenty years ago, I would say and we've been coming to them ever since, and these are amazing. I, I see all of you people accompli- accomplishing so much. and. I'd like Bill. It's, it's, it's amazing, and just seeing everybody get around with their dogs and their canes, I'm just, I'm so, yeah, poor Harley, <laughs> he's bored he to tears there. already. Oh, Mom's talking now. Um, but I worked there for nine years at Leader Dogs, and um, if, if, is anybody here, is this your first conference? Is there anybody here that's first? Are you loving it? Is this amazing? Overwhelming? We're going to try not to bore you. I, this is, these are amazing. Just absolutely amazing. And, and are any of you thinking about getting a dog? That don't yeah. I think that one okay. All right. So leader dogs, they're um, they're forty two thousand dollars now to train a a guide dog, but it's zero cost to you. So if you can um, get to the school, they will um, for your first dog. You know, four weeks they will train you to work with your dog and tailor your training to your specific environment. And um, but they want to know ahead of time what that is to try to help match you with a, a you know the best dog. Not all dogs are the same. Some are. Very energetic and, and, you know, love to work, work, work. And others, you know, they want to, or they're, you know, easier to, like, he needed a dog that could sit in boring meetings like this for a long time and, and not have, you know, to get too excited about it and everything in between. And, you know, we've trained dogs for, um, doctor, for lawyers, judges. I've had people come from all over the world, Chile, Mexico, Spain, uh, you name it, just from everywhere. And we, and Israel even. Um, but they can do amazing things for you, and, and it just depends on what exactly it is that you need. The dogs are about twelve, a about, um, year and a half to two years old when you get them, and they're young, and it's going to take about six months to a year to become what we really would call a, a well-seasoned team. It takes a little bit of time to get to know your environment, and you're going to need some help. But the first thing you have to do is be able to be... Um, successful with your cane skills. So orientation and mobility is very important. You can't be a guide dog user without good cane skills, but you don't need to know how to learn to use a dog to be able to have good cane skills. But you don't always get to use your dog in every single environment either. Sometimes you do want to leave them at home. It could be um, some concerts. That's one thing that's just, you know, it's a really loud place. Zoos. We've taken them, um, and it's just, you know, when you get to like the macaws and stuff, they they kind of get a little crazy. Um, The lion got really upset when he saw uh, Brutus back in the Naples Zoo so many years ago. It's kind of not a great place to take a dog. I mean, it's not impossible, but I don't recommend it. Um, it, The uh, dogs that they're using these days are primarily labs. You're seeing a lot of labs. You see the random shepherd here or there, some doodles, goldens. Those are primarily what you're going to see. And... um, you just go through an application process. Some of you are probably already familiar with that. You have um, have to turn in some physical paperwork. You know the that says your uh, you know your diagnosis of blindness and that you're just physically capable of walking and taking care of the dog as well as is getting around independently. Um, when you get back home, you have to set up some, uh, some people, maybe orientation mobility, family members. Um, co-workers to help get you around in your environment, whether it's around the neighborhood or when you go back, if you're going to college and getting around your college campus or at work in the office, you will need some help to help um, what is the best thing is these dogs can be patterned. So when you can pattern the dog to take you to the office. And once you tell the dog, you know, I would drop Bill off at work and he would, you know, tell his dog to, you know, take him to his office, and they would get to the elevator, he'd find the elevator, he'd get him down the hall, he'd get him to his office, you know, certain conference halls, meetings, places like that. You know, the the dogs, you can tell them to find so many things. You know, find, you know, your boss's office, give it a name. You can name it whatever you want, and you just take the dog and you show him, this is my office, and then you retreat, and you go back, show him the office a couple of times, give the dog a treat, um, you know, lots of... Praise, and next thing you know, you've patterned the dog to find the office, and it could be home, it could be the post office, it could be the grocery store, you know, many, many things. And um, the great things about dogs too is um, they practice obstacle avoidance. They're not—you're not, not going to encounter as much as you do with, with a cane when you're working the dog. You're going to go. How many uh, have you encountered that car parked across the park or the sidewalk? You're walking down the sidewalk, and they. They're in their driveway, and you know, they're in front of the sidewalk. The cane's going to find that car. You, you may not even know it's there. The dog's just going to kind of work around it, and you won't even know. It's a little more seamless. So you get a little less information about your environment. Some people like that. Um, some diehard cane users don't like that. They want to know exactly what's going on. So there's um, you know, many people in both camps, and, and either one's um, fine. It just depends on what works for you.
1: Do you want me
3: to talk about Brutus' um, rescuing me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Bill's got a good story
1: about that. So in, in the early days of my t- being trained, along with Brutus, the first guide dog that I got, the one that Colleen had trained, she was following, what, 10 feet or so behind us, and we were walking on a sidewalk and there was a, an alleyway there that it didn't look like a street. It didn't have a curb or anything. And just as we reached there, some car came flying off the, the street right through where we were about to walk. And Brutus, big 100-pound, well, he was, he was only 75 pounds then, but his best weight was 100 pounds. He stepped in front of me and stopped me dead in my tracks. And I, you could feel the breeze of that car go by. That's how close it came. But that dog... And he hadn't, had only been my dog for like maybe a week, and he stopped me dead in my tracks and made sure that I didn't get killed. So, I mean, that's, that's how amazing these dogs can be.
3: That was a funny story. Um, and we teach them to do that, how to, um, you know, we will drive, like a trainers will get into a leader dog vehicle, per se, and we will teach them that that car is something that is dangerous and to be avoided. So it's not something that they just pick up automatically. They've gone through this motion, you know, several times. We get very dramatic with the cars, and, and you know, the dogs learn that, you know, I better watch out for this. So, um a lot of people ask can the dogs read the traffic lights i thought they couldn't see color they don't know what those traffic lights are doing but it's really up to the person to listen to the traffic just like you do with a cane you know that the, the you know if, if there's traffic to listen to you know the traffic started moving in the direction that you want to go once you hear that traffic move you know say so you're going north you give the dog a command you tell you know hartley forward and you give him a hand gesture and off you go and it could be a red light and there are no cars at all, and he'll go as long as there's no cars and there's no danger. So they're, they're a little bit helpful in that respect, or maybe the car that's coming from behind and turning right, um, they will stop before you actually walk in front of that car. They'll help protect you. So that's that's a nice bonus with having a dog as well. Um, the, the downsides, uh, there's some cons to having dogs, and, and probably the biggest one is Harley's 11 years old the average um, time that they retire is 10. So for him to make it today to 11 is pretty darn good. And nobody can believe he is 11. He's a young 11-year-old dog, barely a little bit of gray, black lab with a little bit of gray on his lip and his chin, and that's about it. So he'll be retiring this year, and this is the hardest part, is the transition to a new dog. What do you do with your dog? Well, we are lucky. We get to keep this dog, and he gets the full retirement package. But not everybody can do that. Some of you um, might be in a housing that, only allows service. You can't deny a service dogs, so Hartley's covered, or your future dog. But when your dog retires, he's no longer covered under that exemption. So now you've got a pet, technically. So can you keep that dog? Um, perhaps you can give it to a family member. Hopefully, the schools, you know, will work out whatever their specific environment, um, you know, what they will tell you is acceptable to do with the dog. Um, but you can, you know, keep them if you want to. It's just you have the uh, second dog to take care of they, they need care and feeding and they've got to be exercised and walked and as somebody mentioned yesterday they're not robots so there's that unpopular duty you have to take care of when they do their duty. so um, you know they' they're a little bit um, time consuming and but we love the companionship. I, as, as you know I can I'm speaking on the with my trainer hat and if I take my wife hat and put that on now, or um, friend, we have, you know, you can imagine many friends who are visually impaired, um, a lot of guide dog users and cane users. And our family, you know, there's a lot of RP1 in our family. We're the RP1 gang that had the shirts on yesterday. There's a few of us here today. Um, but we, um, as when a, my husband has a dog, it's so much easier to travel with him, just like day-to-day routine shopping, um, walking down the street to the neighbors. We, we can walk to some restaurants and shops and stuff like that. So it's so much easier with a dog Because he just follows me, and if we don't go with the dog, sometimes I forget. We're, you know, maybe shopping or something, and I turn around, and I've moved several racks down, and there's Bill still standing there. He has no idea I've advanced. Where Hartley? Will follow. That's another beautiful thing. is Dogs follow. So he just tells you know Hartley follow Colleen, and and she he just kind of keeps along, and he follows me, and I love that as a as a spouse and as a friend. You know, we're traveling with other people with guide dogs, there's a little more contact sometimes with people with canes. That's fine too, but um, you know I love that aspect of it. Um, it's a little harder when we're traveling. He has a Guide dog working through an airport and a roller board, and he can do that quite well um, with the dog. The dog picks the path. He sees. He might be walking on the left side of the hall. That's not very popular with all of you you know, walking towards us, Hartley might see that as the clearest path, and now he's walking against traffic, and I'm, oh, gosh, Bill, come back over here. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, people don't see Hartley, but he's picked the path, and the next thing you know, they'll stop, and boom, you know, they're right on top of them with their baggage and their dog. And um, But, you know, he can really navigate through the airport with his with his um, roller bar much more easily than he can with a cane, and it's harder to hang on to me. And... The person and the bags, both of our bags, you know, we're, we're a pretty wide load if, if he just has his cane when we travel. And we do that, too, sometimes. Um, we've, we've taken him on a cruise. I, we're going on a cruise in January. I said, let's leave the kids at home. We're not going to take that dog this time because the cruise ship was great. They, they built a box for the dog in the front of the ship um, just for his previous dog, Bruce. And you would take, you know, this, we'd go through this little chain and go up to the bow of the ship and used to do his thing, but there's certain excursions we couldn't go on. We couldn't go on the helicopter ride to the center, to the Arctic, because they didn't want the dog in the air helicopter, and they wouldn't let us leave him on the boat either. So, you know, there's little things that if you leave the dog at home that you could do, but that's a personal choice. He, he You know, he was great in Alaska. He did fine, but it was just, um, you know, it's a personal choice. You have a question? Oh, she needs a microphone. Wait one, just
4: one second. Uh, When you retire your guide dog, when you retire your guide dog, are you able to and keep it? Of course. Are you able to get another guide dog, uh, and then yes, absolutely. The old guide dog. Does Depends the old on guy the dog. dog. Want to take over? It's a lot.
3: That's a really good question. So yes, the the retiring dog will still want to put the harness on, but Brutus, his first dog, after about a week of that, he wouldn't even come downstairs anymore. When Bill had to go to work, Brutus stayed upstairs. It was kind of sad. And then when I came back home from dropping him off, then he met me at the at the stairways. He was my dog again. So you know, for ten years he was Bill's dog, and then. He became my dog again. <laughs> and then he got Bruce as a dog in between these two. So this is Bill's third dog. You're welcome. And, and Bruce, he he liked to stay home. So Bruce was like, "Eh, ah, see you later. You know, he didn't care. His second dog, he was like, ah, that's fine with me. We'll see how Hartley does. They do, they, and they're like people. They're, they all have their different personality quirks um, like we do. It's like uh, a three-year-old walking you around. They can be very helpful. But, you know, if you... Watch Hartley might go for that little plate of food that was under that chair if we weren 't watching you know he might itch forward towards it, and you just you know he 's still a dog, so they 're still going to lick your finger under the table sometimes they 're going to do things that dogs do, um, and you know it 's part of the ownership of dogs it 's oh yeah yeah <laughs> our brother my brother in law over here and Bill they went shopping. Grocery shopping, and they came. They were in the car driving back, and they hear that slurp, slurp, slurp in the back seat. And Hartley had shoplifted a plum. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, nobody do. <laughs> He's got the softest mouth. He just covers, you know, he's, we go to a friend's house, and we have to frisk him because he's got their dog's toy, you know, in his mouth, and he cover these big old lips and, like, hardly drop it, and it just, bleh, out it goes, whatever it is. He's is. They're so funny. He's obedient. Least, yeah, he is, is obedient. Um, Sorry. I, no, that's okay. I think, you know, that. I mean, that's, like, I guess our official spiel. I love having him have a dog. I'm not the dog worker, but as a friend or a family member, I think it's great, you know, with a dog. And it's it's just a different experience for us. And um, Bill, oh, one of the quirks, we've got a couple of funny stories. Um, his first business trip with this dog, he, he didn't mention his first 3 months that he had this dog he was on 30 different airplanes they were doing a lot of um he had a new uh, there's a new president and he they wanted to go visit all the different sites around the country so hartley did a lot of flying but one of the first nights that he stayed in this hotel he bill calls me up and he's mortified they're in a they're in Las Vegas it's a dog friendly hotel and you can imagine how many dogs have been through these rooms and i'm sure he probably smelled a little something you know that another dog did so he That's just pretty- Oh, it's Bruce. That's right, not Hartley. Bruce. So Bruce, he peed on the on the comforter of the bed, lifted his leg. And he's so upset. He's like, I can't believe this dog did this. Oh, no. And knock, knock, knock. And I'm talking to him on the phone. I'm like, who is that? You know, be careful. And it's um, housekeeping. Apparently, they'd had a, a language barrier. And, you know, they're like, oh, no, no, don't worry, don't worry. You know, and they came back and knocking on the door with, a tray of fruit and cheese and uh, wine, and they're apologizing for this inconvenience. And I'm like, "Oh, you're really roughing it there in Las Vegas, you know? Oh, your dog had an accident. <laughs> but that's rough." So, their their little quirks are kind of funny. And um,
1: yeah, it was it was it was me me and 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 my attorney from the company that were going to a, a board meeting there for, for the. Um, Nevada test site and um, the so so we were going out to dinner and the uh, the attorney showed up um, as all this was craziness was going on and um, so I just left it there and um, then when I came back then then the uh, the tray with all the crackers and cheese and (laughs) wine and all that stuff appeared suddenly and and Colleen was uh, at home uh, with her wine
3: (laughs) So I guess that's, like, the gist of our official um, spiegel. So I know you might have a lot of questions for either one of us. So um, please ask away.
0: And since this is being recorded, if before you ask your question, just make sure you have the mic in hand so that we can make sure everyone can hear.
1: Hi. So um, when do you know when it's time to retire a dog? Like, is it always a set number of years? Um, are there other variables that control... When is time? time? That, that's a very common question and it's a question that everybody asks when they get their first guide dog. How do I know how to retire them? You really get a very strong, strong emotional band with the dog because you, you you spend your whole life pretty much with that dog and the dog is taking care of you and you're taking care of the dog. So it's it's a very hard decision to make but what you have to do is kind of let the dog make that decision where it starts to have some, something wrong with Brutus, who was, so far, I mean, he was just an incredible guide dog. He, um, he started to have, I, I always had a dog bed in my office for the dog, and we have dog beds all over our house, so he had plenty of places to lay down, but he um, when he would get up, like if I was having a meeting in my office, then he could just stay in his bed there. But if I had to go to another place in the building or to some other place or we were going to fly or drive somewhere or something like that, he always had to get up and down. And every time he got up, he had arthritis, and he would just kind of whimper with the pain of the arthritis. And that just really tore my heart. And I decided that he, he, it would be better off for him to be able to stay home and take it easy. And so that's when I asked for another dog. And... Um, that was that was um, bruce and as you've heard bruce wasn't the quite, quite the stellar dog that um, brutus was but anyway that's that's kind of how, how you have to dis- go through the decision and and r- right now i'm going through that exact process with hartley because <coughs> excuse me I, I know that he's, um, he's he, he he doesn't like because my previous two dogs were yellow labs and they didn't mind the heat as much as he does with his black coat, so he's not real happy about being out in the sun. And um, so, he, you know, I'm I'm going through that whole process now of deciding that he needs to retire because he he is he is getting tired and he's slowing down. So he'll he'll be happy, I think, when he you know realizes that he can. He can stay home and take it easy, and and um, you know I'll I'll be back in a little while. But see, I'm not working now, so I'm, I'm retired actually. So, so, so he can <coughs> me. He, he can he can see me um, um, pretty much all, all day long too. So the other dog won't get the the. Um, all the airplane rides that um, Hartley and Brutus got, because we won't be um, flying on business that much. Other questions?
3: How does how does the dog know in in an airport where the restroom is?
1: <clears throat> um, how does he know where the restroom restroom is? Um, if you have a little bit of residual vision, I have no vision at all in my right eye. I have about five degrees of vision in my left eye, and I just had cataract <clears throat> surgery on, on that left eye. And it's thank God those photoreceptors are still there because retinal specialists were concerned that I was going to lose those those photoreceptors in the process, but I didn't. So um, I thank God for that. Um, so you know if if you if you know the airport if it's one that you're familiar with um, or you have a little bit of vision like I have and you can look far enough away to see where there's a sign then you can just tell the dog to make you know to turn you know heart Hartley right Hartley left you know those those kinds of things and there's a hand motion that goes with that and so you just kind of direct them in in there and um, and what I've done with Hartley is I've te- taught him that any time I tell him to find a urinal, he's going to get a treat when he gets me there.
3: So he always finds the men's room. He, 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 he does,
1: he does. He, he he does, and, you know, I, I never worked on that with him. He just automatically knew it.
3: So um, how do guide dogs do usually, like, in apartment complexes, especially with, like, a lot of other dogs that aren't obviously... Um, guide dogs and stuff like that and maybe are also not trained, so like if they see a dog, they might go berserk and things like that. Are, you, are we trained with the dog to kind of how we deal with that and things like that? And do you find that apartments, are, they have success in like those kind of environments for people? The, the,
1: the, the dogs are trained that whenever the harness is on, there's an acceptable set of behaviors, which includes ignoring other dogs. Um, and so so they, they, they learn that. Now if you take them out for a walk on a leash like a, like a regular dog, or you let them run in the backyard. Um, we, 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 uh, when we lived up in Virginia, we, we had a, uh, a friend who had a guide dog also and she wanted us to watch her dog for a day and we had a nice fenced-in yard so we turned our dog loose with their dog in the backyard and they ran all day, you know, with each other. So, so they had fun, but that's because they didn't have their harnesses on.
3: So we, like you said, they're trained to avoid other dogs with with the harness on. And sometimes the other dogs, if they you know get in your space, you know, you just you hang onto the leash and you tell your dog straight. They know the command straight and or leave it, and they were they are trained to leave that dog. Now, they're dogs, it's not perfect, but um, especially a younger dog, it might be a little bit more exciting at first when you get your brand-new dog home, but they learn real quick at the routine. They get to know the other dogs, and it's not novel anymore. And once that harness comes off, they're a normal dog. You put them in that dog park and game on. They're just going to be bananas running around there, sun recently moved to an apartment complex, and they've got a public dog park, and he just has so much fun with all those other dogs. People always ask, do they get to have fun when they go home? Everybody thinks that this is their life, but I always tell people Hartley's a a total goober when you take this harness off at home. he just They have a lot of fun, and in the apartment complex, you won't have any problems. Minimal at
1: at best. Our our, our son... Our, our son that, that uh, is um, living in Boston working for Amazon Robotics, is, um, um, he, he has a dog park near, near him. And so when we visited there, we've t- I've taken the, him down to the dog park and just turned him loose with the other dogs. And he has a, a blast. And then when, he, when I call him and he comes back, I put the harness on him, and then he goes back to work.
3: And he's trained to find the dog park too, so we don't have to walk with Bill to the dog park. Once you know we've gone there, just one visit, you know, maybe one long weekend, you know, a day of going back and forth with him to the dog park. Hartley knows where to go. You know, and off they go. We can you know kind of keep an eye on them from the apartment, but they're again they're patterned, and it's it's nice. They take they'll take you right to whatever your spot is that you've conditioned them to take you to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. and and the, the, going to the dog park, it had a couple steps, and it only took me one, one route down and one route back to, to teach him. The first one was find the stairs because there was a flight of stairs that went down as you were going toward the harbor. And then there was a um, uh, right find the ramp c- command, which he would make a turn, and it would it would be a ramp that would lead him down to right where the dog park was. And then I'd tell him find, find the dog park, and he would go right to the gate. And I'd open the gate and go through, and open the next gate and go through, and then take him out of his harness and let him run and do his business and play with the other dogs that were might might or might not be there. So, and, and you know that's it. It all, it all works really well. It's amazing. If 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 you love dogs, this is this is a really good way to operate.
2: So you traveled a lot. Is there any way to train the dog to help you find your baggage when you're getting in baggage claim? No.
1: <laughs> my 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 business travel thing has always been I carry a roller board and a dog bag. so the dog bag has my dog food in it and that that also goes in the overhead bin. So I don't ever go to unless unless we're flying to relatives, you know, something that's that's not a business trip, then then we will check a bag, but normally I don't check a bag at all.
3: This is where I would advise you to, for like anyone, market with something special, you know, special ribbons, duct tape, you know, and learn how to ask for assistance when somebody says, oh, you guys, you guys all know, where's your bag? Oh, it's right there. Mm, can you give me a little more, you know, can you let me know when it's coming? Is it coming from my left? Is it coming from my right? Maybe, you know, load, prime the pump with, you know, can you tell me where it's coming from? So when I, you see it, then I know to reach forward learn how to ask you know for help and how to find
1: it um hi my name is michelle i love dogs i have three dogs i have two laps and a frenchie and i am in that point in rp where i still have a lot of vision but um i love dogs and i was wondering for someone like me is there ever an option since i'm a dog lover to have a guide dog
3: sure Mm -hmm. and it won't be one of yours no. And you, so they can't train your dogs, but um you know they do go home to other um homes with pets and they just suggest introducing them outside of the home so it's in a neutral territory maybe one dog at a time but yeah absolutely. Okay, and my
1: last question is is a funny one. Um I struggle picking up poop uh, because I can't everybody see does at first. Yeah. Are there any tricks on finding the poop?
3: Um well it's it's really hard but some people actually touch the dog they touch his back and they go down and they feel where that little bum is hovering above the ground and and that takes some getting used to for the dog not a lot of dogs are very comfortable with that they'll stop but over time you can um, train them to do that and and unfortunately for Bill Hartley's a trailer so that doesn't
1: work so well (laughs) So he so, just has to. What do you do? So, 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 what you do is you get one of these little bags, and you put your hand in it, and you pick up what you got to pick up, and then you turn it inside out and tie it up. And you just you, you, you get so used
3: much. to the pattern, and you just braille. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's not pleasant. And. And, and, and the other, the other thing that, that you want to look out for is, as you probably noticed, Hartley, if, if you saw him in his harness, he has a sign, a yellow sign that says, Do not pet me, I am working. And uh, going through airports, um, if, if you, you know, people want to pet him all the time. So you, you have to be kind of firm with them if they do. But for the most part, they, they, they don't. Um, if you don't have the sign on, Then they're going to pet you. I actually missed my flight from California all the way back to D.C. and had to take a red eye because all these people were petting my dog because I I thought, well, you know, I've been using this sign, but it seems a little rude. Maybe I'll I'll try working without it. But it was a disaster, you know. (laughs) On a long flight like that, uh, how does the dog relieve themselves? He, he, he has to wait. He, he, the, to he wait. waits. He, he he waits, and that's that's why I wait too, because I figure if he's going to suffer it, I I, I I'm going to suffer it too. Is there
3: another
1: hand?
3: In, in some instances, sometimes people will reduce the food intake, and maybe you feed them half. Like if you you know they eat at the evening. Um, you, you wait until you get to California or wherever that other place is, and then you feed the dog a little bit later and so that they don't fly with a full stomach. I've been thinking for years about getting a guide dog and having trouble with it because I'm a cat person for one thing. But I wondered if you have heard any good stories about people like me or someone here that is a cat person and went ahead and got the guide dog. Oh. All the time. They, it just Like everything, it just takes time. And there, there'll be a little scrum probably for a little while. The cats will probably go into hiding and you won't see them very much. But um, the dogs will eventually adapt to the cat. And it's probably, well, it will be something great to tell the trainer because, you know, your dog may be, um, you know, they might pick a dog for you that was raised in a home with a cat. So the novelty is already worn off. They're used to having cats. So it's a, it's a good thing to let them know when you're applying that you, you would like one that gets along with cats.
4: Hi. Um, you had chatted about having um, good skills with a white
1: cane and O&M um, prior to application mm-hmm. um, for a guide dog. During that process and an assessment for that, how do you guys go about like assessing, oh, like this person has... Like decent enough skills in order to um, consider a guide dog.
3: Oftentimes, um, they'll there's representatives that travel the country, so they may come and visit you. Um, you can submit a video as well. Um, you know, have somebody if um, like the leader dogs works with the Lions Club um, very much. If you could, you know, if you have a local Lions Club, if you didn't happen to have a family member that could do it, a local Lions Club member would come and and take a videotape for you. They, they oftentimes have a a leader dog chairperson on uh, many local Lions Clubs that would advocate for you and help as well but a video would suffice
1: mm-hmm. at what point would uh, leader dogs want you to come for orientation training and mobility
3: training if you're Incapable of getting around by yourself, that would be you know. It's call them up, and you can sign up for their orientation and mobility training. It's a week course. We've got someone here that's attended the course. She could speak to it for
1: you. Okay, mm-hmm. I have I have uh, quite a bit of vision still, mm-hmm. but stairs are horrendous for me. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if a cane would ease some of that terror and fear. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Is There's many a, people in this room, I'm sure, that are, you know, transitioned or in your position or transitioning, not quite using the cane yet, but worth all of that loss of peripheral vision, they will make your life a lot easier. So the where do we
1: get just training for that, mm-hmm. just to begin with? Yep. I mean, they don't want us there if we are pretty mobile. I don't drive, of oh, course. Oh, well, not
3: necessarily. That's not necessarily true, but if you, you I would suggest talking with them. And, and um, submitting your application and filling out, the, you know, the forms and go through the process and, you know, send them a video. But they probably will want to see you with good cane skills because you, you won't always have the dog either. Like, um, like besides the, um, the zoos or, you know, the things I mentioned, maybe a hospital procedure. You know, you've got to go in and have a minor procedure. You can't take the dog with you because he'll just be cooling his heels while you're having your procedure. So, you're going to want to have some good cane skills. So, it's really, I would recommend um, getting your cane skills first. Okay. And then, also, if you don't have somebody help you, you can pattern the dog with the cane too.
1: Yeah. I have no intention of getting a dog. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. okay. I'm I thought you meant pre dog. Oh, yeah, no, no. yeah, definitely. I'm just wondering about the cane skills. Highly recommend else. it, yeah,
3: definitely. It'll make you feel much better, those lower obstacles, tables um, yeah, that would be very helpful.
2: And I just went through the cane training a year ago at leader dog and it's a phenomenal experience. Um, they look at what you need and if you need stairs, they're going to take you on stairs. If you need nighttime work, they're going to take you at nighttime. Um, you will do a lot of walking but they're going to tailor it to to help you for what you need. And I would suggest doing it sooner than later because at least now you have some of your vision and you can kind of see what they're telling you to do. And you get that muscle memory and you get used to doing things like that so that you're prepared. And leader dogs is great because they fly you in from out of town. I flew in from Denver. And... Um, they have a car service, pick you up at the airport. They take you to the center. You're there for five days in a, in a dorm room. Basically they give you all of your meals, snacks, you get rest time, you get to meet other people. Um, it's, it's a great experience. And then you fly home the next Saturday. So it's a Sunday through a Saturday and it's, it's just, it's awesome.
1: And, And leader dog pays for the whole thing.
3: And they don't even expect you to get a dog. You can just go and get your cane skills. <laughs> yes,
4: um, I am I can, thinking about getting a guide dog. I travel frequently. I'm retired now, and I travel frequently to uh, see my grandchildren and my daughter. And I just wondered, uh, with your dog, do you get upgraded on your flight? Or, um <laughs>
1: So, so, so there there is a form the TSA makes you fill out now. That's a new okay. thing, and and it's no not a big deal to fill it out. And and you know as long as your, your dog is is you know has a vet and has you know rabies okay. shots and things like that. So um, it, that's that's pretty easy. But you have to do that. And then what they will do, what I have found is I I just book a seat in in economy. Okay. And then you call the, um, the line, at least with United, that's what I fly um, typically, um, you, you, you call the um, accessibility um, line that they have, and they will move you to a bulkhead seat, which is going to be a more roomy seat, which is one that you would pay for if you didn't have okay, the dog. It,
4: it seems like booking a, another seat would be might be more economical, depending on the flight, to just go ahead and book a first-class flight, I mean. I don't know. Can can dogs fly in first class? If that if, well, they, it's, they, if they, it's sometimes they can, like fifty if, box if, upgrade or something. Yeah,
1: but 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 if but if you move to first class, you have to pay for that.
4: Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and thinking. so I
1: mean, you're welcome to do it. Yeah. And and as I said, uh, Northrop Grumman used to put me in first class when I was traveling with my dogs all the time. So.
4: So, but you really do. You have to like book an extra seat because there's no way for them to like no, fit in that. No. no. Oh no! I've, n- you I've don't never have booked to? an extra seat ever. Oh okay. The okay, dog has I'm to go in the
1: space, and and, and you just you kind of want to learn the airplanes a little bit. Okay. As as you do it,
4: and uh, and then you've got your family members. So I, I'm yeah. I love dogs, and uh, but my my daughter, her family, they're they're cat people. And do you have like a guidebook <laughs> for the family on how to tr- how to treat the dog? <laughs>
3: I, I, I guess there's no guidebook for the family, unfortunately. <laughs> no. But um, Hartley, uh, if we don't get bulkhead, he will go for and aft. Like his, he'll take up the um, bulkhead is the, the very front row in um, economy, and, then, and there's no seat in front of you, so you've got a little extra space. That's the bulkhead that oftentimes they'll put us in. Um, and that's good and bad because sometimes then you don't have your place to put your purse or your personal bag in front of your feet because it's bulkhead. It's a wall, and you have to put your things up above, and then we go to put it up above, and the stewards have already put their stuff up above. So there's a little catch-22, but um, it's a lot of space for your dog. But uh, we're finding more and more now that they stop that wall, and you can still stick your bag underneath the first-class seat behind that wall. Um, he'll he'll curl up in a tight little ball, but if it's you know us, the two of us, or when we we're flying with our son, somebody's got their feet resting under Hartley, on Hartley, you know. Um, but you know, legally, he has to be curled up in his space if there were a stranger sitting next to Bill. So he always does his best, and and he's had occasion where people refuse to sit next to him. But there's always somebody jumping up going, I'll sit there, I'll sit there. There's always somebody that will trade and sit sit by the the dog. dog. (laughs) All
1: right. I was just curious if there were times when the the program would not recommend a person have a dog. I
2: mean, are there situations where people shouldn't have a, a guide dog?
3: Definitely um, it, if, if you don't have the skills to travel independently before getting a dog, then you shouldn 't get a dog so you know I have seen where family members tried to get somebody to go that has no business being there because they just they thought oh, well well'll just hang on to a dog and the dog will take him and then that'll be the answer to all of our prayers and that 's really not the case so I'm sure that hasn't happened you know and it, it, it's probably not happening it 's a pretty strict um, process now. Um, if they're not physically capable of doing the... I mean, you have to be able to take the dog out four times a day. Um, you've got to be able to do that and, and be able to take care of the dog and, and physically exercise the dog. So if you're not physically capable of taking care of the dog and or yourself or able to travel independently, then they will deny you. we got to have a happy note. <laughs> I was just wondering, you said that at a traffic um, intersection that you listen for the traffic mm-hmm. and then tell the dog forward. What if you have hearing impairment? Is it not a good idea then to have a dog? Um, we, we have a deaf-blind program as well, and I um, they work extensively with those dogs, and those. You know the, that's a, a smaller concentration of trainer, um, client, And they work really hard with them to teach them how to do that as well. And I can't speak to how exactly he's trained or she has trained the dog. Bill, me, what?
1: And and, and they're doing... doing, um, They
3: do sign language language in their hands. So these people that are totally deaf and totally blind, and they can still travel and cross intersections safely. Yeah, those dogs are amazing. And the dogs, listen, I was just like, I almost got run over by a a golf cart several years ago because I didn't hear it coming and with the... Electric cars, I mean, they don't make much sound. Is that a problem for you? You know, all the guide dog schools, when these electronic cars came out, all got together. This brought them together, and they went to the car companies and said, you know, this is a hazard. So our son has a Tesla, and if you um, hear, it it has a little whirring sound now. So I can hear the electronic vehicles in parking lots now. They have a whirring sound It's a hum and a whir, I suppose. Like a whistle. whistle. So they they made those cars make noise specifically for the visually impaired. Or, or, you know, people who just aren't paying attention. (laughs) Might be me. (laughs) Mm. So has anybody, um, Bill has a funny story when he got his cane you have to tell your story about Publix. <laughs> so this is the transition for, you know, you've just gotten a cane um, and, you know, you've been keeping it in the closet for a while and he's got a great story.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I had been um, driving to, to to work for, you know, a long time and everything. Even though my vision was fairly limited and I, was, I still had a valid Florida driver's license, and, and you know, I was um, only living about 10 minutes from the office and 10 minutes from Publix, and I was restricting myself to driving only to those two places. And so I went, I went to Publix to go shopping, and any of you guys who are, who are from Florida know that the Publix guy, guys want to bring your groceries out and put them in your car for you. So I would go in with my cane, and I would get a cart, and I would tow it around the grocery store and, and figure out what groceries I wanted. And then I'd check out, and then the, the bag boy would be taking my cart out. And so this one day, I'm going across the, the parking lot with tap, tap, tapping with my white cane to my car. And when I got there, I opened the trunk, and he's putting the groceries in, and I'm folding up my white cane. And I said, I'll bet you guys talk about me, don't you? And he said, oh, yeah, we do. <laughs>
3: Your central vision it's, works great, right? It's, and it's,
1: it's, it, is, it is kind of funny because I have run into a bunch of people who are visually impaired, you know, similarly, and they have been sort of doing the same thing. Matter of fact, I even met somebody whose mother was legally blind, but she was driving with her guide dog in the seat next to her. <laughs> that was worse than what I was doing.
3: Nobody here's doing that. <laughs> so, Bill, you said you were in, you were in training for four weeks when, when you left your job and w- went away to the school. So, can you give us a little uh, thumbnail description of
4: what the training, or or maybe you can share that too, Marty, about what the training
3: is like when you're there for that period of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oops. (laughs) Okay. It's it's closer than I thought. Um, Yeah. What 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 happens when you uh, when you get there is you kind of get settled in. You meet your trainer. um, You go through some some things where like the trainer is pretending to be the dog and is using a harness and you're holding the harness handle and they're they're pulling the the front end of the harness around and stuff like that. So you get a little bit of that experience. And and then, you know, you get a little bit of instruction on doing leash corrections, you know, if the dog is doing something it shouldn't be doing, you give a little short tug on it and, and that sort of thing. So um, and after you get through that and you start and and you're you get to the point when the trainer has decided that which dog they want to give you, then at least in in my experience, in terms of how it went back then, this is a long time ago because my second and third dog are both delivered to me in my home. But um, they they sit out there in the hallway, and you're in your room, and they tell you the dog's name, and tell you, and they go out and say to call him. You call the dog, and the dog comes in, and you 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 spend. If, especially if you're challenged, that the dog is uh, is is going to not be your dog if you don't win him over. <laughs> I I uh, spent the whole day on the floor with that dog, and 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 the next morning when when she walked by, he didn't even look at her. So he, she was insulted. She she said, "What did you do to Brutus?" I was like, "What do you mean? I didn't do anything wrong to him." She said, "But he didn't even look at me." I said, "Well, you challenged me." <laughs> so so anyway. Um, it it in it's it's a um, yeah so so twice a day right you, you you go out and and work in the they have a place um, in downtown um, um, Rochester yeah Rochester Michigan and you work out of there and you get routes to do so you know they'll give you routes they'll give a name to the route like the P route and this that and the other and. So you go out and you work your dog through it, and the trainers go out and kind of watch what you're doing, and you know they get a bunch of people out there all pretty much all at once, and um, so you know you, you you learn quite a bit. And then in the evening you come back in. Sometimes there's a lot of times there's a, some kind of a talk or something like that of some information that that you need to learn about how to care for the dog and stuff like that. So it's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty good. I mean, from my experience of going there. It it was kind of at that point. It was kind of what I would call old fashioned because it was it was like a an old fashioned college dorm where they you know two 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 guys and two dogs in a room with with a a bed on either side of the room and a tie down chain in the corners And, and 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 two bureaus I guess so you could put your clothes somewhere. And uh, that's that's how it worked. But since then, I actually I, I joined the the board of Leader Dogs, and I think I was on there for about nine years. And over that period of time, we we created a new um, residence, um, which is what we call it now, as opposed to a dorm. And uh, and it's a single room, and it's a nice room, and it's got all kinds of amenities, and it also has a place where you don't have to take the dog out in the morning or whatever there's a place at the back of your room that you, that you have a, a you can just open the door and let your dog out so that makes that part much easier although it doesn't doesn't get cause you to train yourself to take your dog out on a leash and make him go but um, they also have um, upgraded the kennel and made the kennel really um, an incredible thing. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's got all of the possible things you could think of that somebody who's running, who's, who's bringing 200 dogs through and training them in a, in a year, I mean, all the things that they need are, are there. I mean, right down to the fact that, that um, you know, when they want to shampoo the dogs, you know, they want to bathe the dogs, they used to have to lift them, and some of these dogs are pretty big. But um, you know, like I said, up to my my first dog, his ideal weight was 100 pounds. He was at 75 because he was stressed by the kennel that he was in, and um, so he he got back up to 100 pounds once I got him home. But um, it's it's a it's an incredible kennel, and it, it what it does is it, it kind of de-stresses the dogs because the old kennel was you know it was just they were all just you know thrown together so. It, it it works out really, really nice for the dogs now and, and that's that's a really good thing. And and I, I had the opportunity to be on their board for I don't remember how many years. Um, what was it like eight years or something like that? And and um, we created a committee called the Mission Assurance and Quality Committee and we we um, got the you know the, we, we, we got the people on the board who are senior management kind of people and who understood and continuous improvement and culture. and that's what we did. We, we, we helped them to understand how to make it a continuous improvement culture and they're really doing really good work. So I, I highly recommend them um, on the front of both the way they train the dogs and the way they train the people.
3: I just want to add a quick thing about your personal experience. Um, later on in the training, in the last two weeks or so at least, they're um, going to start tailoring the training to you. So there's going to be people that need more exposure to the cities, and you're, so you're going to go to Detroit, places like that, and train with the die, where other people will never, ever, you know, have to go to the city. And they're going to need more rural training, um, you know, maybe country roads, maybe suburbs. Um, something like that. So they will start to specifically you know, separate the class and, and smaller buses and, and tailor your training specifically to your needs. That's
0: we have time for one last question before we wrap up this session. Hi. I'm not visually
4: impaired, but I have two daughters with RP. And um, it was stated that cane training takes a week. So I'm... Not understanding why it would take that long, but um, maybe you could enlighten us to what kind of uh, steps you go through for cane training uh, to get them prepared.
3: It could be local as well. Um, You could go to your, uh, I mean, Debbie's giving an example of what Leader Dogs offers, but you could go to your local lighthouse for the blind um, and and reach out to them and ask them, you know, to give you, uh, to, Connect you with an orientation mobility instructor. Bill had his cane training and three different lunch periods, so it varies um, from where you live and what kind of um, facilities they have.
2: Right, with leader dogs, um, they give you really in depth. They um, are are looking at what you need. You're walking. I mean, I think I think I probably walked five miles every day, and um, you know, you're doing different things. You're um, talking with other people. Um, I specifically wanted to do some night work. So one evening after dark, um, we went out, and I had to walk around the streets and um, find my way. and, And they challenge you, too. So, you know, he says, okay, you need to find this shop. You need to call them up, find out where it is. And I'm going to drop you off, and you're going to find your way to that place. So they challenge you to become independent, and they make sure that you're independent, um, you know, before before you leave there. So and you get to talk to other people, guide dog people, and other O and M people, as well as any of the instructors. Um, there's just there's lots of things that they do with you there. So. Yeah, it needs a week. It was it was it was really one of the best experiences of my life. I had the whole hotel room to myself. I didn't share it with my husband or anybody. Children? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, he found, I had to find go find an ice cream shop. Darn. I got oh. to have ice cream, you know. I mean, um the first time actually was um we we were going by we had to go to a donut shop, so I got a donut, you know. It's yeah. And I did get to actually I call it test drive a guide dog because my instructor actually had a guide dog that he was working with at, at home, um, and so he brought the dog with us and we went to a different neighborhood and he showed me what to do with a guide dog. So I got to I got to actually test drive a guide dog. So it was it was a lot of fun.
3: Thank you all very much. We appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Thank,
2: Thank you. you.
0: So um, thank you all for attending this session. There will be boxed lunches available in about five minutes in the exhibit hall. So feel free to go grab some food.